Wicked Smart Sports Guide is brought to you by SunWestBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunWest Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunWest Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. They carry a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. Whether you need batteries for flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunWest has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase, at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase, at checkout and save big today. Semixbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dollar Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're doing something a little different. Normally, this would be the time when the NBA draft is going on. We're talking about picks. The Celtics have the Memphis picks. What are they going to do with it? We're talking about prospects. This year's draft, ultimately, not that great. And honestly, not going on right now uh, because the NBA is on their little hiatus, rescheduled for, like, October. So... Instead, what we're going to do, we're going to keep in the spirit of draft season because this is the anniversary of, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Paul Pierce coming up, all all these anniversaries of Celtics drafting these players. So what we're going to do here is we're going to count down Danny Ainge's five best draft picks as the Celtics GM. And we're going to do that with Guy Boston Sports founder, writer, podcaster, host of Ev Unleashed, Ev Guy Boston. Ev, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, as always. All right, so Evan, uh, like I said, we're just going to count it down. I guess before we start, do you have a pick for Danny Ainge's worst draft pick? I don't, you know, I don't. If we're going to count down the five best, we might as well say one bad one. Uh, yeah, I, we can start with the bad one. Um, I guess I would go with the guy that seemed like he tripped over his own feet more than he scored baskets. Um, a, a recent Celtics player, actually, Kelly Olynyk, for me. Just given the idea that you know you had Giannis behind him, Danny traded up to get him. To me, it's like, yikes. We went and we went and sought out Kelly Olenek. Meanwhile, there's the best player, one of the best players in the league behind him. So um, Kelly Olenek for me is for sure um, just the first one that comes to mind, I guess. But in terms of bad draft picks, that one didn't seem to work out because, I don't know, he had the big, you know, he had the big playoff game, whatever, but that seemed to be few and far between when he would go off. And it's so interesting to me that Danny Ainge passed on Giannis. Giannis was like the ultimate athletic wing in that spot for a prospect. I mean, it took Romeo Langford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jeff Green going back a while, Gerald Green, all these bouncy athletic wings. And you figure Giannis fits right into that mold. Why didn't he take him? So it's just confusing to me. Um, my pick would be honestly kind of an interesting one. If you go back to the 2006 draft, the Celtics had the seventh pick and they traded that away along with Rafe LaFrance and cash considerations, to the Trailblazers for Sebastian Telfair and Theo Ratcliffe, which, not a great return. Obviously, those guys did not stay on the team very long. They were packaged together to, to get Kevin Garnett eventually, so, you know, that that's great. But not, not like any of those guys were centerpieces. Um, and instead, the Celtics, you know, if they had kept that pick, they could have had Rudy Gay, which... Would have been a weird fit with Paul Pierce in 2006. In modern day NBA, it would be kind of a great 3-4 combo, those two. But, you know, if you just go back on it, it they would have been much better off with Rudy Gay. Either way, it doesn't matter. Even if they did draft Rudy Gay, 
um, that he would have just been traded for Kevin Garnett instead. But you know, it's it's interesting to look back on and say, well, you know, well, you know, they still could have done a better thing, gotten better assets for that pick. Ultimately, though, when in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't really matter much. They were getting Kevin Garnett either way. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, <laughs> you can't really uh, like. We'll we'll talk about it because it kind of that Kevin Garnett trade has to do with some of my rankings too. But if you're not the focal point in getting Kevin Garnett or getting someone in a trade, you can't really be like, oh, well, I was part of that trade. It was a good draft pick. So, um, yeah, I like that. I'm with you. All right, uh, and I do want to say real quick before we start to count to the top five because I think I missed saying this off the top is that Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum excluded, not included in this conversation. I think it would be a little too easy for to put them. One and two. Even though we are kind of doing this, we're we're valuing draft position in this as well. Even still, I still have a have a hunch that those guys would have been one or two, one and two. Uh, you know, at least both in the top four. And it's just it's more fun if we take it out. I think we'll have a little more uh, d- different lists, a little more nuance in our lists, and I'm excited for that. So uh, with that said, we're gonna start counting down the top five there. So Evan, why don't you start with your number five? All right. So my number five one. And I actually also have a bonus one. Can I give you a bonus one too? Okay, yeah, fine. All right, so the bonus, I went back and forth between these two guys, but um, the bonus one I'll start with, I think he's probably my number six spot, and it's just out of my love for him. It's Terry Rozier, the 16th spot in the 2015 draft. Not that he, like, you know, did so much or has done so much in his career, but we've seen when Terry Rozier gets the chance, he does produce. He did it for the Celtics in the playoffs, especially against the Bucks. Now he's gone to Charlotte, and he's averaging, last time I checked, you know, north of 18 points a game. So I'm probably going to, you know, get some people disagreeing with me like with that because like I've lived it as a Terry Rozier lover, people definitely don't like Terry um, as much as I do, but he is my bonus pick. So um, I don't know if you're going to agree with that either. I know that me and you kind of have gone back and forth about Terry for years now, probably. Yeah, no, no, I actually thought I thought I was going to have Terry on my list just straight up. And I ended up not having him on my list, but it, I, I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you had him in the top five, because I think that he absolutely warrants that, especially where he was drafted in the mid-teens there, and he ended up being a really good player. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think if we were doing this list purely on the best five players instead of factoring in draft position, I think he would be in my top five. But since we're factoring in that draft position, he's he's not. So um, okay, so this is the guy that actually made the cut over Terry, and this is I don't know. It could, it could it, you could turn around and listen to this in a couple of years, and I could be dead wrong. But this is a guy that they just drafted a couple of years back, uh, Robert Williams. I think that um, though he hasn't done much, I know we are trying to base this on some sort of credibility here. Robert Williams has done squat in the league, but I think that that was a guy that was projected to go. You know, I don't know what top. 17 top 20 for sure the fact that they got him at the end of the first round in 2018 i think i think so i'm kind of predicting the future here i think that this could be one of danny Ainge's best draft picks ever or best value picks ever based on where they took him just based on what i'm hoping and i guess that's the key word what i'm hoping he can do so i hate to uh to give you one that hasn't proven anything yet but i do think that um i kind of i guess i want him to be on my list more than anything else even over terry yeah, that, that was one that in the moment, it felt like a great draft pick. And since then, you're right, he hasn't done a lot. But I mean, at number five, I'm not going to put too much blame on you for that. But you know, it's, it's still so much unknown there that you're right, we'll have to see if it, it could absolutely come back to bite you by you uh, years down the road that you said that. But my number five is kind of an interesting one. I don't know if you're going to recall this. Etwan Moore. Wow. Okay, so Etwan, yeah, Etwan Moore. Uh, I think the 55th pick, I'm just double-checking now. Uh, yeah, the 55th pick back in 2011, uh, the Celtics took him. 
and didn't do much for the Celtics. I should say, like, this only played one year for the Celtics, 38 games, 2.9 points a game, did almost nothing for the Celtics. But as a draft pick, and like I said, uh, I wanted to say that we aren't just doing this based on what they did with the Celtics. It's how they were as players, too. So Danny Ainge gets this guy in the second round, the fifth, fifth pick, and he ends up going on in his, his NBA career. The next year, after he's with the Celtics, he jumps to Orlando, averages 7.8 points per game with them, is pretty decent, jumps around the league for a few years, then ends up in New Orleans, and in 2017-2018 with New Orleans, started 80 games, averaged 12.5 points per game, shot 42.5% from three. The next season after that, he started less games, but still 11.9 points per game and 43.2% from three. So I just, I felt the need at my number five spot just to honor Etwan Moore because as a value pick at, in the second round at 55, that's a great selection. And I just wanted to kind of recognize that one here because even though he didn't do a lot for the Celtics, he ended up being a really good NBA player, definitely overshooting his draft uh, position and, you know, just really producing as a second round pick. So I want to, you know, give some credit where credit is due, uh, you know, maybe more so to Etwan more than Danny Ainge, maybe because obviously the Celtics didn't hold on to him and he wasn't uh, that great player for the Celtics. But uh, ultimately, you know, a player that that really has has gone on to have, a, a you know, it's a good success story in the NBA for Etwan. Yeah, I like it. You're digging deep for that. All right, who's your number four? My number four pick is a guy we all know, Avery Bradley, the 19th pick in the 2010 draft. And obviously we know what he did with the Celtics and whatnot, and he's been uh, uh, you know, a playable NBA player since then. But when you look at that 2010 NBA draft, there's guys. Let me read off some of the names that went ahead of him. He went 19, like I said. Some of the guys that went ahead of him, Kevin Serafin, Luke Babbitt, Xavier Henry, Cole Aldrich, Ekpi Udo, Wesley Johnson went number four. Like Danny Ainge might have found John Walls, obviously in that draft. Gordon Hayward, Demarcus Cousins. There's some big names in that draft, but he, I think Danny Ainge found the little diamond in the first round of that draft. All of the other names really don't scream, um, you know, startable NBA starter. There's obviously the superstar names, and they're like I said, Hayward, Wall, Demarcus Cousins. But you look down in the middle of the draft, 19th, past the middle of the draft. Avery Bradley's there, and I'm laughing at names like Luke Babbitt and Larry Sanders and Kevin Serafin, Cole Aldridge. It's I think I think uh, Danny Ainge may have won that first round. And look at that, he got Gordon Hayward years later. Yeah, yeah, he, and you're right. He did have to trade Avery Bradley eventually to make space for Gordon Hayward, and they ended up getting Marcus Morris in that trade, which you know maybe not the. I mean, Marcus Morris was a pretty good player for them, but you know he left for nothing eventually, so uh, not the best situation there. But you know, Avery Bradley, they got seven good seasons out of him. He made two all-defensive teams. I mean, definitely regarded as one of the best defenders, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely agree with you there. I'd say Avery Bradley was a great pick for that for that uh, spot in the draft. I had him his, as my number three, actually. So we're going to have to skip that <laughs> in the next, in the next uh, spot we have. But I'll go with my number four. My number four is Tony Allen. Now, this is way back uh, near the beginning of Danny Ainge's tenure as GM, 2004, I think 2003 was the first draft he did. This was 2004. He takes Tony Allen with the 25th pick. And I think you even just mentioned Tony Allen while you were talking about Avery Bradley there. But one of the great defenders the Celtics have ever had. I know Kobe Bryant said he was the best defender he ever went up against. Ended up having a great career, not only with the Celtics, but with the Grizzlies. He's been a part of some really nice teams in the NBA. Not just the Celtics championship team in 2007, 2008. 
but also that those Grizzlies teams have had great playoff runs, and Tony Allen was a big part of that. Those grit and grind Grizzlies, he was kind of the ultimate grit and grinder uh, on that team, and the reason why they became offensively and kind of how they got their nickname, maybe along with Zach Randolph too, is like you know the, the offensive version, of the down low grinder, everything like that. So, um, but it, for this is the big one as again, like like each one more in the second round. Tony Allen, just with the position at the 25th pick, tail end of the first round, to get a player like that who's impactful and has a great NBA career, obviously, uh, that's a great pick. So um, that's my number four. He was my uh, number three, so I think we we flipped Avery and Tony Allen there. T- Avery was my four, and Tony Allen was my third, so... I would say I was going to kind of mention the tone setting. Like, there's so many guys that have come out, you know, post Tony Allen, I guess, or post Tony Allen on the Celtics or post him on Memphis that say how he was just like the guy. Like, he, he knew how to set the tone. He grinded. He made other people want to grind. And that kind of speaks to a guy that, you know, again, this guy averaged over 10 points a game once in his career. But you know what? He always had a job. From age 23 to 36, the guy always had a job, pretty much. So, I mean, it shows that it's not always the points you're scoring or even the stat sheet stuff stuffers. Tony Allen was a guy that teams wanted on his on their team for, obviously, his on-court benefits, but just based on some things I've heard about, you know, how um, motivational I guess he was, uh, for that reason, too. The fact that he's just, you know, never going to put the, the, the ball in the bucket, but... He's always going to be needed on a team. So, and at 25, icing on the cake. And you may be right to have him ahead of Avery Bradley because I just said Avery Bradley was a two time defensive player uh, or all defensive team member. Tony Allen, six, six time all defensive team. So, Tony Allen also had the ring, too. Yeah, ultimately, why I had Avery Bradley ahead of Tony Allen is just because he, he was a better all around player. I guess he not as great defensively, but he was a better shooter, better scorer, especially at his peak. Avery Bradley, I think one season in there was close to 15, 16 points a game. Allen's peak was 11.5 you know he never and he never got over 10 other than that one season so uh, just because Avery Bradley is a better scorer that's probably the reason that I have him over Allen yeah I mean they could flip-flop I I kind of valued um, the accolades I guess with the championship and then the um, all defensive teams but I he he pretty much doubled his points on most years in terms of Avery Bradley compared to Tony Allen and um Aver Bradley kind of, not that he was the guy, but for a few of those years, he had to be one of the predominant scorers on the team, and he he improved so drastically. He went from, you know, not being able to shoot whatsoever to being one of, you know, a knockdown mid-range shooter coming off the screen off the top. I can, like, picture it now. He always did it, so um, they could flip-flop in my mind. I think Avery Bradley, like, I feel like he grew his game so much that he deserves some appreciation for that, too, um, and, and kind of absorbed the role he needed to. So, um, yeah, I mean... I'm not. I don't have any gripes with you putting him over Tony Allen. I think that they're they can definitely be interchangeable, though. I don't think one's drastically um, sh- should be ranked higher than the other. All right, so that's four. That's three. Who's your number two? My number two is Marcus Smart. Um, it was tough for me to not put him one. I think that he is. It's very hard to become a Celtic, um, and Marcus Smart has done that. I mean, we might see guys on the team now kind of trending that way, but the last true Celtic to me before Marcus Smart was Isaiah Thomas. Then, you know, before that we had the the big three and then some other guys, but Marcus Smart has obviously the longest tenured Celtic too, but being drafted at the number six spot for years, people kind of said, um, Oh, I can't believe Marcus Smart. He can't even play offense. You know, all he does is dive on the ground and they drafted him number six. Well, I don't know if there's many people saying that nowadays, Marcus Smart has finally, and I think he was on the verge of doing it even more this season before the hiatus. 
he was finally proving not i mean i don't don't think he had to prove himself to celtics fans i think we were kind of on board with him um to say the least but he was finally starting to prove himself to nba fans in the nba world and the casual fans that this guy is a force and he is a factor on the floor um and he kind of finally started to now I've, i've always loved him i'm sure you have and he had to live up to a top 10 top six pick pretty much and um, I think he finally started to do that, and I think he was really hitting his stride because we saw some strong offensive games from him. He's been getting better offensively. Um, and, you know, to put him at the number two spot, I had a hard time not putting him at number one, but um, I feel like I have a good reason why he's number two. So Marcus Smart is my number two. Yeah, uh, I don't have Marcus Smart on my list. What? And the reason is because of that number six draft spot that you talked about. You know, Tony Allen, Marcus Smart's a little better than Tony Allen, but they're quite similar. And I had Tony Allen four, and Tony Allen's made six all defensive teams. Marcus Smart, you know, he, I'm sure he'll make many in his career, but he hasn't doesn't have that many yet. But that's that's not even the big fa- the biggest factor in all this. The biggest factor is that Tony Allen was picked 25th, and Marcus Smart was picked sixth. And if we're just talking about that draft position. If you, I don't know what the, uh, you know what, I'm even gonna look this up on the fly. But I don't know what where Marcus Smart would go in a redraft uh, for 2014. But I have kind of a hunch that he wouldn't go. Six. I think he would go maybe a little lower. I, I you know, I, looking back on that draft, there were a lot of guys that shouldn't gone, shouldn't have gone as high as they did. But you know, really for me, when I look at it, I, it was just I couldn't get by the draft position with Smart. He's a great player. Absolutely, you're right. A great Celtic. Everything you said was absolutely true. But just that I, I, because he was pick sixth, I couldn't put him on this list. I think he, I think it's a bad draft, though. I think that if he's in a normal draft, he wouldn't have actually gone at six. Like that's I'm looking I'm looking at the list now too. There isn't too too many names i mean there is i'm not gonna act like i'm not seeing these but like a guy like zach levine at at 13 obviously you're gonna have some guys that would have gone ahead of him but this wasn't all that good of a draft i don't think it's that outlandish that mark i think marcus Smart's playing like at least a top 10 player for sure in that draft and one thing i'll say tony allen wasn't really like the captain of a team he wasn't ever the guy that everyone looked to for leadership marcus smart if you're telling me the celtics in 2014 would draft their 2020 you know a few years later team captain and that's just my belief i think he is the team captain even though it's not official i don't know if i would even like ask the question of well how many points is he going to score how many uh defensive all teams is he going to score if you say you're going to draft your captain it kind of and obviously that's retro you know we don't we wouldn't know that then but i don't see any problem with being like hey this guy's going to be the captain of your team in six years i don't know he's he's on my list for sure i guess i can see why he's not on your list because you put a guy like Tony Allen who's so comparable to him and he's barely on the list. So um, I don't know. I guess I guess I agree to disagree. But looking back on that draft, I don't know if you can hold the draft pick against him so harshly like you are. I well, guess. that's that's the whole thing to me. That's the whole exercise is that we're talking about what the best draft picks are. So, uh, of course, I'm going to factor in draft position like that's that like that's a big factor for me in this. Like I said, if we were just doing I said the same thing with Terry Rozier, if we were just doing ranking the players Marcus Smart probably would make the list. Yeah, if I'm saying Terry Rozier would make the list, then yeah, Marcus Smart certainly would be up there as well. But uh, you know, when I'm when I factored in the draft position the way I did, you know, he I I couldn't put him over there. And I did just look up a redraft just real quickly. I mean, Joel Embiid goes one, Jokic goes two, Wiggins goes three. Maybe some people would disagree with that, but Wiggins has had a pretty good career, 24 game score. Aaron Gordon goes four, Spencer Dinwiddie goes five. Smart goes six, Capella goes seven, Zach Levine goes eight. So I don't know if I 100% agree with the guy who did this redraft on some of these. That A little weird, but Mark Smart goes around the same spot. And, you know, I, but I, when you're drafting in the top 10, you're hoping to get an all-star, and Marcus Smart, not quite an all-star. So, uh, and I know that realistically, if you are to rank 
the drafts, you know, one to ten. And if you're going to do a redraft, you're not going to get an all-star at six. But there's still that hope there for every team that if you're in the lottery, you're hoping you can get a Zach Levine at 14 or a Devin Booker at 13 or a Clay Thompson at 11 or a Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Steph Curry, guys that fall in that range. And you're, you're hoping that that's it. And Marcus Smart isn't quite that. So that's, that's a, you know, a big factor in, in why he didn't make the cut for me. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair, but I do think it's you got to consider a little bit the draft he was in. Joel Embiid's the only top ten All Star there in that whole top ten. You know what I mean? So it, it's a bad draft, but I do see what you're saying because guess what? When you see number six pick, right? Not everyone's gonna go back and think, okay, well, where did he go? Where did he go? You're judged on that number. Like if you're the number one pick in a terrible, terrible draft, no one's really gonna care. You're still the number one pick. So. I can I can see where you're going with that, but I do think that it's just at least worth mentioning, which is why I'm saying it, that it wasn't all the best of a draft, you know? Yeah, I don't, but Marcus Smart, when he came out, a lot of people thought he was going to be like a starting point guard, great playmaker. Like, he had a really good college career. And, you know, he hasn't he's been a solid NBA player, but he hasn't quite been the offensive player that people thought he was going to be, that people thought he was going to be really good. And, you know, uh, the 2013 draft, which... If you think the 2014 draft's bad, I mean, don't don't go back and look at that. But um, but Marcus Smart could have came out in 2013. He came out as a sophomore, so he had a chance to come back come out in 2013. I remember in 2013, he also had I think he was around three four there is where people thought he might go th- third or fourth, and he ultimately decides not to come out. Um, but you know that there's another draft where he could have gone top five. Like I said, 2013 even worse, not good either. 2014 was actually thought to be really good. Ends up disappointing. But when when 2014 actually happened and you had Andrew Wiggins, people thought it was going to be like Tracy McGrady, Jabari Parker. People thought he was going to be great. Ultimately, not as good. But if we're talking about, you know, what people thought of the drafts at the time, um, you know, people thought 2014 was going to be really good. Ultimately, disappoints a lot of people in that draft. But Andrew Wiggins hasn't left up to it. Jabari Parker, not even close. And B's really the only one who... who and maybe you could say Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's been decent um, and a decent starter for them and obviously done some dunk contest stuff and pretty good defender, scorer, all that stuff. But looking at it in this redraft, Marcus Smart still goes six. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the draft position is fine. But if we're talking about great picks, I still think you look at these other guys who I had at five, Etwan Moore at 55 at, versus Marcus Smart at six. I'm sorry. I'm taking Etwan Moore at 55. Just on the draft position, Marcus Smart's a better player than Etwan Moore. But... I'm sorry, I'm just I'm not gonna give it to him when I look at these other players that were picked later that I think are also really good and Marcus Smart might be better than all of them or a little better than them, but they were better picks at that point in the draft than Marcus Smart was at six. I'm sorry, that's just the way I'm looking at it. No disrespect to Marcus Smart. Great player, love Smart. He does so many things for the team. Gonna make all defensive first team again this year, it seems like. So, you know, it, he has been a great player for them. But as far as a great pick, um, I'm not going to give it to him. Sorry, I'm being stingy. If he one day takes home a Defensive Player of the Year award, then I'll change my tune, okay? And he's getting pretty close this year, so maybe he's trending in that direction. But it's really hard for a player who's a top seven pick to make a list like this. It just is, and I'm sorry. Sorry, Marcus, you couldn't make it. (laughs) Hey, I'll I'll let you win. It's your podcast. All right, so uh, number two, I guess for me, now this is my number two. My number two is Al Jefferson. And the reason for that is is similar to what, what I've been saying. Al Jefferson was picked in the teens, mid-teens, ultimately as the centerpiece of the Kevin Garnett pit trade. He was the uh, 15th overall pick in 2004. And Al Jefferson, he should have made some All-Star games. He didn't. He made one All-NBA team, which is interesting. You make All-NBA, but you don't make the All-Star team. He definitely should have made an, an All-Star team at some point. If you look at his career averages in some of these seasons, 
21.8 points per game in 2013-14, 19.2 points per game in 2011-12, 23.1 points per game in 2008-2009, 21 points per game in 2007-2008. So he had three 21-plus point-per-game seasons in here and a few others in the high teens and just was never able to you know, make that All-Star game and break through um, unfortunately for him, because you look at his career, he really should have. But he does get the All-NBA, so you give it to him. And he just had some really good seasons, not only with the Timberwolves and the, the Hornets there at the end uh, with Kemba, but also uh, with the Jazz in there was really good. Him and Paul Millsap uh, were a staple of that team for, for a few years there. So, you know, Al Jefferson, especially with the 15th pick outside of the lottery, not to mention the fact that he was a centerpiece that got you Kevin Garnett, that got you the championship uh, that, that we have here from 2008. So for, for all those reasons, Al Jefferson is my number two. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my uh, number one right there. So in order to react to that, I'll, I'll kind of topple on what you said. I think Al Jefferson, without him, you don't get Kevin Garnett. Without Kevin Garnett, you don't get the championship. And like I had said earlier, when you had given your worst uh, draft pick, I had said, you know, you can't really claim to be um, oh, I was in that trade. If you're not the focal point of the trade, well, Al Jefferson was the focal point of that trade. And then outside of that, from ages 22 to 30, which some would consider, you know, a career, even though he played a lot longer than that, he averaged 20 and almost 11, you know? So this guy was a walking double-double. I mean, he hasn't wasn't ever the best defender, fine. And, um, you know, he, he did miss some games there in his career too. But Al Jefferson, everything combined, being the, the 15th pick right in the middle of the first round, averaging 20 and 10 for the majority of his career being the focal point in a Kevin Garnett trade. I think that, uh, I think he, to me is the, I guess maybe I could say the most important draft pick of Danny Ainge's career. And that's why he's number one on my list. So I'm really, really eager to see who the number one pick is for you because, uh, your number two is my number one. And circling back to the Kevin Garnett trade for just one second, I just want to say people will look back on that trade and history will reflect on that trade and they'll look at the package that was traded for Kevin Garnett, and they'll laugh at it, and that's fine. It wasn't a great return, but Al Jefferson was a really good player, and that's a solid centerpiece to get for your superstar, especially your aging superstar. Like, if you go back and look at the Carmelo Anthony trade, which a lot of people praise, by the way, and rightfully so, the Nuggets were good for a few years there after they traded Carmelo. The best player they got in that trade was Danilo Gallinari. And I don't know that Gallinari's better than Al Jefferson. I would say he's not, especially when you compare their resumes. It's close. Danilo Gallinari's a good player, but he's not as good as Al Jefferson was. And unlike Kevin Garnett, Carmelo Anthony was entering his prime. He was still a pretty young player. Garnett was aging. So people will laugh at that trade package, and they can. That's fine. But what they won't realize is Al Jefferson was a really good player, and he gave the Timberwolves some really good years. It really... A forgotten great player in this kind of era of NBA basketball. He he's not going to get really talked about much at all. I'm glad we're talking about him here just to give him some recognition. But he was a really good player, and he's he's like I said, just a forgotten guy in the NBA pantheon. Um, he's going to go unnoticed because he didn't he never got that uh, national recognition that he deserved. So uh, it's unfortunate, but um, you know his career is pretty much over now. I know there was he ended up there with the Pacers rather innocuously and. You know, it just hasn't hasn't been able to get back into the league, and it's pretty much done. But um, hopefully, you know, people will start to remember Al Jefferson. Not saying he should have his jersey retired by the Celtics uh, at all, but um, but a guy that we should remember fondly, I would say, and an NBA fan should remember fondly. My number one, I might be cheating a little bit. I don't know. You can decide that. But it's a draft day trade. It's Rajon Rondo. So the Celtics trade 
uh, I think the cash to the Phoenix Suns or something like this. They buy the draft pick from the Suns and they end up taking Rondo. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I, I don't know, you can decide if, I, if I'm cheating there or not. But uh, Rondo, I don't need to explain, obviously, why Rondo would be my number one in any case, because multiple-time All-Star, fourth all-time Celtics assist, one of the uh, leaders for the Celtics in, from, like, you know, in the 2010-2011 area, and, you know, Mr. Triple-Double for a while there before Russell Westbrook took that over, uh, some all-defensive teams, uh, one of the great passers in NBA history, I could go on and on, so... Um, you know, Rajan Rondo is my number one. You, you can, you could, you know, you'll be the judge and jury here. Is that fair? Can I put Rondo at one? I'll give it to you. It's fair. I will say the only reason he's probably not on my list is because I wasn't including him for that reason. But I'll, I'll let it slide. I mean, again, it's just gonna come back. It's 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 your podcast. You make the rules. It's all right. Obviously, the twenty first pick in two thousand six, and it really odd because the Phoenix Suns at that point. They were just giving away picks for for money, and it just it, it was that's why people hate their owner, and they just think he's a scumbag. Uh, it's just it's ridiculous. But they get Rajan Rondo, they they make up pretty well in it, and the value there at pick twenty one just ridiculous. I mean, to, to get an All Star, multiple time All Star there in that range is great. Not to mention the guy that. I mean, really, how many other point guards would have worked with that Celtics team? I mean, you, you none of them, none of those Celtics players were really primary ball handlers. I mean, Ray Allen was perfect as a shooter. Paul Pierce score. I mean, he he probably would have had to be the primary ball handler if it wasn't for Rondo. But Rondo, just the perfect guy for that team to set up the. Sc- they were all scorers on offense. They weren't really playmakers. So Rondo was the perfect guy to be the playmaker on that team. Get everybody involved. Get get everybody their shots. And it was really just, I mean, you know, I don't know if they win a championship uh, at all with that team if Rajon Rondo's not around. I know that some people may disagree with that, but, uh, you know, they only won one. They were, you know, just on the, the, in game six. And if you don't have that, that point guard that is perfect for that team in Rondo, just making plays for everybody. I don't know. I don't know if you come through. Yeah. I mean, I I like it. Like I said, I'll, I'll allow the pick, but like for your reasoning too, if we're allowing it, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, I encourage anyone that seems to have forgotten or, you know, is a little hazy on what Rajon Rondo did and how good he was, literally go look up Rajon Rondo highlights. I still watch them to this day, and I'm like, holy crap, this guy was so good. And then my second thing here is I just looked at his draft too, that 2006 draft. He got drafted 21, like you said. There's probably four or five names ahead of him that I would be like okay they're better than him or or at the time they were better than him so there's guys like um Andre Bargnani and Brandon Roy that maybe you can you can kind of conceive why they were drafted where they were because they were so good then but I mean outside of that LaMarcus Aldridge maybe Rudy Gay JJ Redick those are like you know obviously LaMarcus Aldridge is up there but Rudy Gay JJ Redick I don't know like in terms of NBA landscape Rajon Rondo I don't know if is too far behind them in terms of um, you know, near stardom and whatnot. But yeah, the fact that he's drafted 21 overall and there's like a handful of names and a couple of them I wouldn't even consider better than him now um, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and you're making me think back on that uh, Trailblazers team, bringing up Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. I was thinking about them the other day, just how good they could have been if it wasn't for injuries to Roy and Greg Oden and those guys. If, if they could have had that big three, and I don't think they get Damian Lillard if they stay healthy. But just play it out, a team with Damian Lillard, Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, Greg Oden, and Nicholas Batum, I mean, that would have been an incredible team out West. I know I'm getting off track a little bit here, but I would have loved to see that team play healthy. Yeah, I know. that that Brandon Roy is always that one guy that you're like, 
if healthy, what could he have been? Because he, people, I just I just said go back and look at Rajon Rondo highlights. Go check out, if you don't know who Brandon Roy is, or if you're a young listener or, or NBA fan or whatever, if you go back and look at Brent, look at what Brandon Roy was, yikes, that guy could ball. Absolutely. You're talking about, I mean, I would say the low-end comparison for Brandon Roy is Joe Johnson. Like, that was what he was at the very least, if not better than that. Um, and uh, yeah, he was one of my favorite players to watch and I, I wish it, his career didn't go the way it did, but, um, yeah, su- such a great player. I didn't have some of the other guys. Uh, I didn't, I don't think I had anybody earlier than where was it? I guess my, uh, maybe each one more. Is that the, is that the most recent pick I had on my list? Uh, yeah, obviously I, you know, I wasn't doing t- Tatum and Brown. We both weren't doing them. So that has a lot to do with that. But also has a lot to do with it is in recent years when they made a lot of these picks, a lot of those guys haven't really uh, blossomed yet. So I absolutely think, I mean, you're right. If, if Robert Williams can turn to a great player for them, then he could be on the list. Grant Williams is another one that I would say Carson Edwards maybe has an outside shot if he can turn around and become a good sixth man for them. Uh, you know, it might be a little late for Semi Odrile, but a player that I really like. I think he's a good role player. So, you know, hopefully he can turn around. And we can't forget, Guershan Yabuselli out of the league right now. But I'm telling you, in a few years, when he comes back and is a, is a pr- prime st- offensive stretch four in this game, people are gonna people are gonna look back on this podcast and they're gonna say, "Wow, he he called it." Guerrero is now balling out. Look back on this podcast. You've been saying that for like five years. They're gonna they're gonna look back on any piece of content you've ever produced and be like, "Wow, this guy liked Gershon. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. In a couple years, we're gonna see it. I'm gonna see it, and he's gonna make my list at that point. But um, uh, but we'll have to revisit that. At, at, we'll have to revisit this whole podcast at that time. But Evan, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for doing this countdown with us. Hope to talk to you again real soon. Hopefully about actual basketball that is going on. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, restarting in Orlando in a couple weeks. So I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about actual Celtics basketball that is either happening or just on the uh, on the brink of happening. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, I am too. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I love coming on here. And um, I, I do hope that we can finally talk about some real basketball next time that we uh, do this together. All right, guys, go subscribe to Evan's podcast, Evan Leash. Head over there. This podcast is over. Stop listening. Go go listen to Evan's latest episode because he's got great, great podcasts over there that you need to check out. Uh, follow him on Twitter at EvGuyBoston. Uh, and follow me on Twitter at KJLGBS. Check out the podcast on Twitter at AvoidSmartPod. Make sure you go check out everything on Guy Boston Sports. A lot of good stuff over there. Uh, just posted a couple pieces. One about what the Celtics could do. Uh, in free this little free agency window you want to learn more about that uh, head over to guy boston sports read that and i also posted something about the patriots could they be in the market for jamal adams who knows just throwing that out there go check that article out as well explain more there uh, but thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week